Hello friends, welcome to Beyond the News. It's Friday the 4th of August. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be hearing from Dr Peter McCullough talking about vaccine batch numbers. We're going to be listening to a clip of Jordan Peterson talking to Bill Maher, hearing from Dr John Campbell. He's got a really important study out from, uh, I think it's Sweden, but he'll tell you more about that. Uh, and it's peer-reviewed about the vaccine this time. Variety of news articles covering you know, erosion of civil liberties um, from a variety of angles and the COVID lockdown's impact on children. That and much, much more coming up on today's Beyond the News. So let's go to our first video now. This is Dr. Peter McCullough. Can't quite tell where the video is. He seems to be sort of in front of some sort of board or panel type thing. But who knows with today's green screen technology? Let's listen to what he has to say about vaccine batch numbers. There are four domains of injury, cardiovascular, neurologic, thrombotic, and immunologic. The hardest question I've faced so far in all of my appearances in the media, and I've probably given more media uh, appearances now than any public figure in the world on COVID-19, the question came from Joe Rogan on his podcast in 2021. He said, Dr. McCullough, if these vaccines are so bad, why doesn't everybody have a side effect and are damaged after the vaccines? I didn't have the answer at that time, but I have it now. A paper by Schmeling and colleagues from Denmark has clearly shown that the batches of vaccines that come out, the lots uh, groupings are not the same. They had all the Pfizer data administered in Denmark and they had every side effect. They found three risk groups of batches. The first batch, which was about a third of people who got the vaccine, zero side effects, nothing whatsoever. It's like taking a shot of saline, nothing. The second group, which is about two thirds, had some moderate side effects, uh, but, but the, the rate of serious side effects was, was pretty low. Then there's a third group which is 4.2% of everybody who, of the vials, their side effect rate was through the roof. When they did what's called an R-squared analysis, that is how much of the variation in side effects is explained by this batch-to-batch -batch variability, the answer was 75% plus. That means we have a product manufacturing problem. Either the vials, these, these files, and unfortunately, these two ladies almost certainly received a bad batch. And these uh, vials either have hyper-concentrated lipid nanoparticles and excessive amounts of messenger RNA. And in the United States, 94% of people who took a shot took messenger RNA, so we can stay on that, that, that uh, technology. We, uh, the other possibilities is that it could be contaminated with what's called cDNA or plasmids or other contaminants. It's certainly possible. I think hyper-concentration of messenger RNA is most likely because what we're seeing are messenger RNA spike protein mediated injuries. But Senator Ron Johnson, just from the VAERS data, had sent analysis to the CDC on this and the FDA asking for them to analyze the lot-to-lot -lot variations that we're seeing. And he received a multi-page letter back that essentially says, we disagree. We don't see any difference in lot-to-lot. -lot. Now it's in the peer-reviewed publication uh, forever in medical history showing it is a batch variability problem. Fortunately, most Americans received batch one or batch two. They're okay. 
Fortunately, they're fine. But for the small number of people who did receive a badge, we have big problems. A Zogby survey done last summer, population-based sample, suggests 15% of Americans now have some injury, disability, or some medical problem they're dealing All right, let's stop right there. due to COVID-19. Let's stop right there. The full clip's being posted. So, as you can tell by the gruff voice, that was uh, from InfoWars. But again, I will post alternative media if the video they're posting about is from uh, an accredited doctor or scientist, obviously such as Dr. Peter McCullough, is uh, one of the world's leading experts on COVID, as uh, I'm sure he'll be happy to tell you in many of the videos where he appears in. And now let's go to another doctor. I'm not certain... I remember him telling me that uh, doing a video once, not telling me, well, telling me in a video uh, what he was a doctor of, and it isn't uh, a, a GP type doctor, but still very knowledgeable in medicine. Let's listen to Dr. John Campbell, and he again is talking about a peer reviewed study looking into the vaccine. So the data is finally coming out now from some countries where they don't go. Nothing to look at here. Don't bother peer reviewing that. Uh, so countries that don't have that attitude are coming out with data like Dr. Peter McCullough just described and like Dr. John Campbell is about to describe. At best, in my view, negligent. At worst, I don't even want to think about it. After Moderna booster vaccines in a trial done in Switzerland, there were 777 uh, working people followed up with 777 controls. 5.1% of those who had the booster vaccine had increased troponins, indicating cardiomyocyte damage. So 5.1% increased cardiac marker damage, chemicals in the blood. 2.8% of the 777, that is 1 in 35, 1 in 35, had vaccine-associated myocardial injury. Quite astounding and uh, incredible. That's what this is about. If you want to watch, stick around. I think I can get through it all in about sort of the main points in about 10 minutes if you want to stay. Um, just before we do that, we'll just look at this advert from New Zealand. Um, now, uh, the uh, advertisers in New Zealand say here, we all need to do our part, so vaccinate, stay up to date and be an everyday hero. And they have pictures of these comic people here. And uh, that's sponsored by Pfizer BioNTech. Now, the idea that there's all these comic people here, I think it's Marvel Comics, um, doesn't really grab me. So I can only assume it's aimed at an audience, shall we say, <laughs> younger than me. Um, some of you might consider that is quite outrageous and utterly unethical. Anyway, let's get down to the business of today because this is really quite an impressive study by cardiologists and scientists in uh, Switzerland. Myocardial injury after COVID-19 vaccine. This is the Moderna mRNA1273 booster. Department of Cardiology and Cardiovascular Research Institute of Basel in Switzerland, of course. Uh, now, this is published in the European Journal of Heart Failure. It's an open access journal of the Heart Failure Association of the European Society of Cardiologists, so top flight stuff. This paper is accepted, it is peer reviewed, it's not yet published, we've got a preprint, uh, not a preprint, a, a pre-release copy because it's not a preprint because it is peer reviewed and a fully accepted paper in an international peer reviewed reputable journal. Um, it's a prospective active surveillance study, so they started, they went forward, collected the data as they went on 
and it's active surveillance. They were actually looking for things. In the past, what we've had is uh, retrospective passive surveillance. So it's been passive in the past. People have only um, collected data as patients have come forward to complain about it. And uh, it's been retrospective looking back. This is, this is a much better quality study all round and has produced really quite um, quite worrying results, really. Uh, and this study was industry independent. It had nothing to do with the people that are making the money. Nothing to do with the people that are making the money. This study was not carried out by the people that are making the money. Independent. In the uh, Instigated by the uh, investigators themselves. So the aim... Uh, they want to look at the incidence of potential mechanism of oligosymptomatic. So oligo means few, oligosymptomatic. So oligosymptomatic myocardial injury um, is myocardial injury, which has sometimes no symptoms uh, or sometimes minimal symptoms. It's oligosymptomatic. But that doesn't mean to say there can't be quite severe, severe uh, consequences. In fact, just before we go on, I think I'll just tell you something about the potential severe consequences. Now, this is from... Um, the textbook of medicine that's used, been used for generations now. Um, I just want to read something from this. Um, in most patients, this is talking about myocarditis. In most patients, the disease is self-limiting and the immediate prognosis is excellent. However, death may occur due to ventricular arrhythmia or rapid progressive heart failure. Myocarditis has been reported as a cause of sudden and unexpected death in young athletes. And we could go on and read about longer term complications, not my words, directly from David's principles and practice of uh, medicine. Anyway, let's get back to the study we're looking at, uh, we're looking at today, this study from Switzerland. Uh, following COVID mRNA vaccine boosters. So this is following boosters. Now, they wanted to check on what was causing this and how often it was occur occurring. And it's also... Very important, a safety net for people that have been boosted. So what they did, if people had uh, raised troponins at three days after the booster, they said, look, you've got raised troponins after three days. Therefore, let's get a repeat blood test. Therefore, let's get a 12-lead ECG or other cardiological investigations as the cardiologists deem fit. Take rest. Do not exercise. Because if you've got, if you've got myocarditis and you just rest for a few days, good chance it'll just go away, get better. If you go running or training, there's a good chance, not a good chance, but there's a chance um, you can go into a ventricular fibrillation, into a full cardiac arrest. So the fact that these people were warned is so important. Probably not happening where you are, certainly not happening where I am. <laughs> so there's safety netting, screening and prevention of complications, research methods, so uh, December 2021 to February 2022, hospital employees, so these are healthcare workers mostly, but hospital employees, scheduled to undergo booster vaccination. This is the Moderna. Um, they were assessed for vaccine-associated myocardial injury, blood being taken three days after the, uh, the vaccine. Uh, defined as an acute uh, dynamic increase in, so what they look for, high sensitivity, cardiac troponin, uh, concentration that's what they're looking for so we, we probably know this but if we, if we have cells here in the heart so th these would be cells in the heart these uh, cells that constitute the 
the myocardium. Now, in, in these cells, there are troponins. So troponins are chemicals in these cells that's to do with the contraction of the myocardium. Now, if the cell is damaged or insulted in any way, if there's, if there's damage to the cell, then what happens is there's actually a breach in the integrity of the cell wall and, it, and the troponins leak out. So if these troponins are found in higher concentrations in the blood, it indicates that myocardial cells have been damaged. Very, very simple cardiac marker testing. Absolutely standard to look for troponins in all aspects of coronary care. So they're looking for those above age and sex upper limits on day uh, three. Blood taken 48 to 96 hours after vaccination. And very importantly, there was no alternative course. So these patients were screened by proper doctors and scientists. If they had a reason why they might have increased troponins, like they just ran a marathon, <laughs> that they would be excluded from the study. Other causes of raised troponins were excluded. This is a very thorough, well-conducted study. And I've already seen quite a bit of misinformation about this study already, but it is well-conducted. They did exclude other causes of um, raised troponins. 77 participants, median age 37, more women than men in a healthcare environment. So working age adults, at minimal, minimal risk from severe COVID, almost, almost none. I mean, all these patients have been exposed many times if the healthcare workers, almost, almost certainly. Um, now, 40 participants, 5.1% had high sensitivity, high sensitivity cardiac troponin, Concentrations on day three that were above the 99th percentile. Already that's high. So 5.1% is already high, showing uh, much higher levels of troponin than you would expect. Um, mRNA 1273 vaccine associated myocardial injury was adjudicated in 22 participants, 2.8%. God damn me. If, if someone said to me, look, you could have had this vaccine. As I did. Oh, but by the way, there's a 2.8% chance you'll have a, a vaccine-associated myocardial injury. I would have run a mile. I am furious at not being fully informed about this, and you should be too. We've been treated like mushrooms on this, and it's completely unacceptable. It's just... it's just. Anyway, we'll leave that point there. So one in 35 participants... Uh, one in 35 recipients, rather, one in 35 who received the booster vaccine had vaccine-associated myocardial injury. I'm just going to read that out again. One in 35 people who received the booster had vaccine-associated myocardial injury. This is, this is a range of adverse reaction that is off the scale in healthcare, off the scale. And yet, and yet, in New Zealand and other places, it's still being actively and unethically, some might say, promoted um this is just off the scale risks off the scale completely the only way you would take this kind of risk in healthcare if the alternative was certain death otherwise you certainly wouldn't you know, we just don't take this level of risk it's just complete madness what has happened here how, how is this level let's let's keep to the let's keep to the data um of the 777 two women had chest pain so what we're seeing here is most people here um, did not present with chest pain, and yet they had this myocardial injury, which could result in a focus for ventricular fibrillation and an adverse consequence that is irreversible. Um, 
Of the 22 cases with mRNA-1273 vaccine-associated myocardial injury, 20 cases occurred in women, two in men. Now, this is the complete reversal of what we got with the passive surveillance. So active surveillance, when we're actually looking for the issue, is showing more myocardial damage in women as opposed to um, the passive surveillance where it was more young men that were affected. Interesting. Uh, pity this wasn't looked for actively before. Um, so young women could be fully informed, give informed consent before they were vaccinated. I mean, as adults, we're allowed to give informed consent for a lot of things. And if we don't give informed consent, then that changes the meaning completely. Completely changes the meaning of something that occurs if informed consent was not given. And yet, this is the case here. Informed consent has not been given because this wasn't looked for and talked about. Uh, troponin elevations were mild and only temporary. Good. No patients had ECG changes. Good. None developed major adverse cardiac events within 30 days. Good. But of course, these ones, these ones, these people were warned that they had high troponins and knew not to go exercising. All the difference in the world. In the overall booster cohort, uh, so, th so this is the cohort that were boosted. Remember, 777 of them qualified. Many more were taken on, but some were excluded, so that's correct. Um, median was uh, 5 nanograms per litre of troponin. Interquartile range was 4 to 6. 50% were in the 4 to 6 range. Match controls, it was 3. Interquartile range, 3 to 5. So basically, we've got 5 nanograms per litre in the... Uh, boosted group and we've got three nanograms per litre in the control group that is a big difference and significantly statistically that is significant p equals 0.001 so there's only a one chance in a thousand very highly significant result that that could have arisen by chance so we accept that as a result you've elevated on day three there were warning and they knew not to go exercising and as a result of this well, we can't say as a result of this, but thankfully we can say no major adverse cardiac events are in 30 days. So because, um, well, we don't know why, but certainly it's possible that these would have occurred if the patients hadn't been warned. Um, no major adverse events following 30-day follow-up. So there was no cardiac arrests. Excellent. Uh, no uh, acute myocardial infarctions. No acute heart failure. No life-threatening arrhythmias. But these patients had been warned that their troponins were increased, indicating they had myocardial damage, so they knew not to exercise. They were looked after by a doctor. Cases had comparable um, systematic reactogenicity. So concentrations of cytokines and cytokine antagonists, things that work against the cytokines, Markedly, uh, were markers uh, of quantifying symptomatic inflammation. So they looked for these things, which was good. Now, they also, I'm not going to go into this in detail, but they had lower concentrations of a couple of factors here. Uh, granulocyte, <laughs> granulocyte macrophage colony stimulating factor. But basically, these are things that stimulate the immune response. So that stimulates a lot of protection against uh, bacteria, for example. This stimulates a lot of protection against viruses. 
these were lower in the uh, the people that had adverse reactions. Now, the question is, did the vaccine lower their protection against these viral and bacterial infections? Or was it that these uh, protections were already lower, making the people prone to vaccine damage? That's one of the things that's currently being investigated and needs further study. Anyway, conclusion, mRNA uh, Moderna vaccine associated myocardial injury was more common than previously thought. So vaccine associated myocardial injury was more common than previously thought. One in 35 people who had the vaccine. Massive. Being mild and transient, more frequent in women versus men. No adverse events. The people were warned. The watchman gave word that the enemy was attacking the city. The possible protective role of uh, the antiviral one and the uh, antibac primarily antibacterial one warrant further studies. So that was from the uh, Moderna booster. Similar studies um, from Pfizer. That one was from uh, Israel from memory. That one was from um, Thailand from memory. That's the Pfizer ad. I do hope that this is not a sat. If this is if this is supposed to be a joke that someone's put up, it's in very poor taste. Uh, but if not, if it's what it appears to be, then uh, it's also in very poor taste. Attracting young people to take an mRNA vaccine. He's One in thirty-five about, uh, participants. A comic book had encouraging um, children to take it vaccine induced myocardial injury much more common than previously thought now if this anyone who's vaccinated after this should be given this information if not that they haven't been given that they're not they're not giving informed consent therefore it's illegal if you don't give informed consent for other types of activity, that's got legal implications. We have to give informed consent. MRNA 1273 vaccine associated myocardial injury was adjudicated in 22 participants, 2.8%. One in 35 recipients, 2.8% had vaccine associated myocardial injury. Not much more to be said on that. We look forward to an immediate and urgent response from regulators around the world. If we don't get it, then they just hold themselves up to public mockery, ridicule. What are they there for? What are they there for? If they don't act on this immediately. We'll leave it there. Thank you for watching. Interesting points from Dr. John Campbell there. And uh, as ever, I own no copyright on anything whatsoever, any of the clips at all. And the points that Dr. Peter McCullough were making, uh, if his statistical analysis is correct, and that is worldwide, then that would be major lawsuits waiting to happen, isn't it? If there was something to do with batch numbers being higher than others that's got um, various 
well, they're, they're, that's got trials, uh, whether it's criminal or compensation, written all over it. And as for Dr. John Campbell there, um, you know, it's going to be a process to go through where he might get to the place where he says, you know, about the regulators, that perhaps he thinks that there is more something more nefarious going on. We shall see. We'll keep listening to what Dr. John has to say. But uh, that video had a million views very quickly. So that's going to be a lot of people who probably were pro-lockdown and pro-vaccine that have just heard that study and are sitting there thinking. Uh, and as they go through life and they realise more and more, you know, the TV is telling them to get the vaccine, the politicians are telling them to get the vaccine, mainstream media is telling them to get the vaccine. That's going to be a load of people that are turning around and go, do you not know that study? And even if they were to show the study to someone, they could just get called an anti-vax conspiracy theorist and they would be, but I've had three. And this is a peer-reviewed science journal. What are you going on about? And that will be a furthering of their awakening process with what happens there. The Daily Mail now. The COVID inquiry will never admit it, but we had a strong pandemic plan. What went wrong was lefty scientists and panicky politicians, writes Professor Robert Dingwall. Let me just in my opinion, replace lefty there with scientists who had ties to certain foundations and global organisations who also have ties to the right as well. But in my opinion, probably have more ties to what we would call a traditional uh, left side in the traditional paradigm. But um, I don't think it's a right versus left issue. It's a uh, who's funding them and who are they mates with issues and what revolving door of other organisations of public entities have they been in coming in from or if you watch them over years since, where did they exit to? That kind of stuff. So this is by Professor Robert Dingwall, 4th of August. This may seem hard to believe, but for 48 hours in March 2020, as Covid started to sweep the country, the United Kingdom authorities set out to manage the pandemic in much the same way as Sweden. That, after all, had been the plan for at least two decades of preparing for such a crisis. There would have been no lockdown, just an honest account of the facts from those in charge. Do you really think you would get that from a government in Britain, the publish. Has there been anything else that government's really done of the last, you know, thirty years where you think they gave, and I quote, an honest account of the facts, just an honest account of the facts? Do you really think that the British public would have been trusted to have behaved sensibly as the public was trusted in Sweden? There would have been no compulsory masks, no mandates to keep us two metres apart from one another, even in our moments of greatest needs. Schools would have remained open and the economy fully functioning. In the event, our panicked politicians lost their nerve. Really? You think so? You think they panicked and they lost their nerve? Or do you think that that may have been other people coming in and going, oh, you need to look at this study, you need to look at that study oh we ran this drill oh my foundation's given lots of money to these organizations you should really go and listen to these experts honestly i've put a lot of money into this these people really know their stuff do you think do you think that's more likely than people losing their nerve anyway let's scroll down the swedes were disappointed when we abandoned them in what 
had been an entirely sensible approach. Although they won't be too concerned today, Sweden went on to have a far better outcome than us. Fewer deaths and less collateral damage to society and the economy. So yeah, Sweden didn't lock down. And so, but you, you always get people, you probably might find them on these comment section where they just repeat the mantra, lockdown save lives. You know, what study have you got on that? No, that's a mantra I've picked up from mainstream television and I've repeated it over social media for years and I'm not giving it up now. Lockdown save lives. Here's some peer-reviewed studies to say that it didn't. doesn't matter you're a conspiracy theorist, but it's peer-reviewed. doesn't matter the peer-reviewed scientist is a conspiracy theorist. Television, which is financed by people who... As we've seen and read our articles, their companies did very well from lockdown, uh, telling us that lockdown is a good idea. The independent scientists who seem to have uh, no vested interests in lying to us. In fact, when they tell what they perceive to be the truth, they get a variety of negative consequences. We're going to ignore those ones and go with the people on the TV. Thank you. I've picked my team. I'm not switching my team now. And if everyone on my team admits that we did not lose then I can go and stick around my other teammates and we can tell other people in the group what winners we are and I never have to hear anything else. So, that in fact we prepared for the wrong virus influenza rather than a novel coronavirus such as COVID-19. Anyway you can go and read the article for yourself. I think I've it's quite a long one and you've probably got the points for yourself there and I'll just scroll down and we'll go and see what the best rated and worst rated comments are. Okay up 3315 down 606 so this is quite a well participated in comments thing and the comments below have not been moderated that's nice. So the comment is except we now know it was nothing more than a bad flu season. Yeah I think if you go and look back at this podcast in its early days and with the stuff I did with Craig Campbell, that's pretty much what we were saying at the time. Definitely on the bad end of a flu season. Definitely uh, definitely a bad one. But not much more than that. And the numbers were there if you were to go and look for them rather than the stats presented by your friendly neighbourhood film very far away and all seem to say the same thing mainstream media television personalities for the most part let's have a little look here up 3239 down 141 the real truth will still be hidden yep so that could allude to a number of other theories and uh, that are going on now or it could allude to um what they think may or may not happen in the future in vis-a-vis -vis truth coming out up two three sorry up two five three four down 160 spot on but why were the public not told about this at the time okay so again do you think the politicians did this with your best interests at heart or did they not let's have a look at the worst rated now Let's go and see if it's a lockdown save lives, people. Right. Up 535, down 2129. Okay. Sweden's per capita deaths, though considerably lower than of the UK, were considerably higher than that of Norway, Denmark and Finland. 
This leads to a suspicion that there was higher pre-existing immunity in Scandinavia as a whole, as yet unexplained, and Sweden did pay a price for its more relaxed policies. Okay, that's interesting. So I've always done the comparisons with the UK. I've not looked at the Scandinavian one, so I can't comment on that. But that's definitely not a nah, nah, lockdown save lives, is it? That's a that's a criticism that I, I haven't done the studies, but that looks there's nothing there that seems screaming of a cult member to me, you know. Where lockdown save lives, I'm repeating a mantra. None of that there. So that's yeah. I don't know about that, but that's a well put together, considered comment. So yeah, all right. Uh, up nine seven one down one seven four nine. Lefty scientists or they are correctly named scapegoats. Okay, so I wouldn't call them either. I wouldn't, as, as earlier I said, I didn't call them lefty scapegoats. Uh, lefty scientists. I wouldn't call them scapegoats either. Um, I think they know. They knew what they were doing. Even if they didn't know why they were doing it, they knew what they were doing. In my humble opinion. Um, because they're pally-pally with the same people over and over again. Uh, actually, I take it back. Maybe they didn't know what they were doing. But they certainly um, are the sorts of people that follow the orders of people who did. So, okay, that's an interesting one there. And the next one down. Up 12, down 58. Wrong. The pandemic plan was for a flu that blew over in a couple of months. This guy is yet another COVID-denying disgrace to the medical community. Shameful platforming these idiots. Oh, there's the cultists. There we go. You're wrong. You're wrong. We're going to use a name. Covid denier. Let's repeat the name. Mantra, mantra, mantra. If we say it enough times, it can become true. So yeah, there was one. But that got nowhere near the engagement of the top two, which I thought were quite um, well considered. Yeah, I don't agree with the scapegoat thing, but they the comments I thought had some merit and had some intelligence behind them, especially that top one there. Um, the fact that I don't know enough about it would suggest <laughs> how could I call someone stupid if they claim to know more than me? I should at least check it out to see if they are right or wrong first before I was to say something like that. Anyway, interesting comments, those ones. Haven't had negative comments that have interested me from the Daily Mail for quite some time there. Usually it's just the, what we got in the third one. I'm part of the cult. You're not. I'm going to call you names that my cult members say to call you. So now from The Guardian, Harry Davis, 1st of August. UK spy agencies want to relax, quote unquote, burdensome laws on AI data use. GCHQ MI6, MI5 propose weakening safeguards that limit training of AI models with bulk personal data sets. The UK intelligence agencies are lobbying the government to weaken the surveillance laws. They argue place a burdensome limit on their ability to train artificial intelligence models with large amounts of personal data. The proposals would make it easier for GCHQ, MI6 and MI5 to use certain types of data by relaxing safeguards designed to protect people's privacy and prevent the misuse of sensitive information. So... National security people, 
who say to you, we're not going to tell you anything. It's all for national security because everything's got to be kept a secret. Are the first to go. Uh, oh, and we've got to keep it secret to keep you all safe. And we're a free country. Are the first to go. Right then, let's get rid of those safeguards to make you less free in terms of civil liberties. And uh, we want all your data while simultaneously telling you uh, that we're not going to give you anything. Um, privacy experts and civil liberties groups have expressed alarm at the move, which would unwind some of the legal protection introduced in 2016 after disclosures by Edward Snowden about intrusive state surveillance. So my interpretation of that is, yeah, you know that guy said we were doing that and there was a public outcry, so we had to, um, uh, you know, change a few things. Uh, well, we reckon the public have got goldfish memories, so now we're going to try again to go... Can we get rid of them and go back to the way things were, please? Now the panic's died down. Have you been distracted by something on the television? Excellent. Okay, all those laws that everyone went, oh, we're panicking about, we've got to bring them in. We'll just reverse them quietly. Carry on watching television. All good. Uh, we're here to protect and serve you. Uh, keep up the good work, good honest taxpayer. Right, up from the Wall Street Journal now. Uh, this is Wall Street Journal opinion. I'm going to see if it, oh by Brett Swanson, seventh of July. Covid censorship proved to be deadly. Government and social media companies colluded to stifle dissenters who turned out to be right. <laughs> so that's the Wall Street Journal opinion there. Um, so translate. The conspiracy theorists turned out to be more accurate than the people who were calling them conspiracy theorists. What are the odds? Uh, and, of course, who knows what that could open up in sort of terms of legal challenges by saying, right then, you know, if this information has been shared out about... Just looking back at the data we had today, leaving the batch numbers thing out of it, because I'm not new to that, but I haven't really seen someone state a scientific paper that can be looked up to do it. I've seen them claim to do it and I've heard some good stuff that interested me. Well, I say good stuff, interesting stuff, probably not good for some of the people who took certain numbers of those batch and condolences to them and their families. Anyway, a judge rules that illegal White House pressure led to social media censorship, which almost exclusively targeted conservative speech, especially on COVID-19. Again, it goes back to almost what we said earlier about the Daily Mail thing, the left versus the right. It tends to be people who question mainstream media now versus people who believe mainstream media now. And that tends to be the people who question the mainstream media tend to be called the right wing and the people who um, don't question it. Uh, and call people who do question it a conspiracy theorist. It, it tends to they've tried to wrap up conspiracy theorists with right wing as the same thing, but it turns out they may not have been right wing. They may just have been right. And if people had listened to them, perhaps less people could have had injuries or death. We don't know the exact numbers because we're still crunching the data. And certain invested parties may not want that data crunched. Though, but interesting to see something like that come from the Wall Street Journal, isn't it? Now to LBC. Brits in Europe will require face and fingerprint scans under new EU checks for holiday makers. 
Brits travelling to Europe will have to share health information and have their faces and fingerprints scanned from next summer under new rules introduced by Brussels. Under the EU entry slash exit system, holidaymakers will be expected to reveal health conditions and details of their trips before being granted entry permits. Other conditions for receiving a visa under the European Travel Information and Author Authorisation System, ETIAS, include sharing information about criminal records, the purpose of travel and the location of your first night stay. It's feared the new entry requirements will case hours-long queues at Britain's air, ferry and rail ports, the Mail on Sunday reported. And uh, don't worry, just because Britain's not part of the EU, I'm sure Britain will look at that and go, Oh, loads more data collection? Oh, sign us up. What's the downside? Oh, it makes your, all your voters really miserable. Oh, what a bonus. Definitely sign us up. They might not vote for you anymore. Don't worry. The opposition will just say we'll do it even worse. <laughs> we'll, we'll make we'll make it an extra uh, three hour long uh, with our plan for data collection. But don't worry. The opposition's one will do five. Problem solved. How are you going to do that then? Oh, me and the opposition, we've both got mutual friends, and uh, these mutual friends have. Don't worry about that though. Nothing to see here. We're uh, we're real uh, we're real enemies, really. We're real opponents, really. Oh yes, yes. Just like the banks are in great competition, all the ones that banned the same person from a variety of banks on the same day, so on and so forth. Right. Next up, again from the Daily Mail. I'd love to see articles from The Guardian and that sort of stuff saying these kinds of headlines, but they don't really. So I suppose that's where the right and questioning mainstream media... But it used to be the left. It used to be the left very much so that used to question the mainstream media. What happened to that? Such a shame. Covid lockdowns had a catastrophic impact on children's social and emotional skills, half of parents say. Youngsters aged 4 to 7 more likely to be affected than 12 to 15 year olds. Yes, they do say, don't they, that uh, those early years are where children learn the most. That's by Collar Stringer on the 31st of July. Nearly half of parents said their children's social and emotional skills got worse during the Covid-19 pandemic, a major study found. Uh, who'd have thought it that keeping them in, not getting them a chance to socialise with other children, and when they do, covering their mouths so they don't develop any of the non-verbal communication and body language skills that are so essential, as a lot of sociologists will tell you, uh, a lot of our communications are non-verbal. Who would have thought that denying them that would have an impact on their development? Who would possibly have thunk it? Still, there are those that will tell you it needed to be done. Because children had a naught point, I'm not quite certain how many noughts it is, um, before you go, point one ch percent chance of death. Uh, and to which people then reply to that, back, oh, but they could have been spreading it to the elderlies who had a much higher chance of death. And the elderlies usually come back and go, I'm not bothered, I'll take my chances, I don't want to, you know. I'll take my uh, chances with a bad flu season rather than interfere with my grandchild's uh, development in their key early stages of life. 
What's wrong with you? You must be a conspiracy theorist. Anyway, so youngsters aged between four and seven were significantly more likely, that's 52%, to be affected than 12 to 15 year olds, 42%, the research by the Institute of Fiscal Studies reported. Furiously responding to the findings, campaigners blamed COVID lockdowns and school closures for having a catastrophic impact on Britain's young. I wish they would have been more furious at the time, in a peaceful and lawful way. The IFS surveyed 6,095 parents in England with children aged 4 to 16 about the impact of the first year of the pandemic. So I'll just scroll down now so you can see all the articles for yourself in the comments section. So we can just scroll through to get a good eclectic mix here. Let's see if they've been moderated. They have not, apparently. And let's scroll down and I'll click best rated. Here we go. I'm getting the knack of this now. Regular listeners will listen. I know to leave it a few seconds before I click on the links because it will only just move me to an advert. Right. Up 857, down 51. It would have helped if some of those parents actually put their phones down for five minutes and interacted with their children. I've lost count of the times I've seen children in a park calling out to mummy to watch them on a swing or a slide and mummy has her head down completely oblivious to anything. That's a good comment. That that was one that transcended the whole COVID thing. Oh. Good comment, that. Up 7.02, down 12. Lockdown might have stunted some social skills, but social media has killed a lot more. Oh, the first two comments, generally anti-phone. How interesting. Okay, up 6.01, down 62. Poor parenting is mostly to blame. Okay, am I seeing a pattern that the Daily Mail think... Do they think that phones are worse, or do they not think the lock downs and masks had that much of an effect at all honestly not sure but I, it's not that i disagree with their points about the phones though um in finland kids don't start formal education until seven if four to seven year olds are most affected it says more about parenting skills than the kids that's up four seven two down 31 that's an interesting point about the finland education system i again i not familiar with it enough to comment on that but that's a good intelligent comment i think let's have a nothing let's have a look at the worst rated ones then up 10 down 79 and the brexit disaster caused even more damage than the lockdowns well done brexiteers okay so do you get the feeling that that person just jumps on any daily mail thing and says something along those lines <laughs> okay um up 29, down 59. Jesus, we were dealing with a pandemic, not betraying a generation. Shut up, DM. Okay, the problem with that comment there is there were loads of people that tried to tell you that you were betraying a generation because the science was already there to say it was a bad idea and those people were censored and, you know, called a variety of names like conspiracy theorists when all they were doing was saying good science at the time. Um, here's an interesting one. Up 15, down 43. So sad. The government should be totally ashamed. These kids will never get over this. I can. Th I think that's a reasonably good comment there. Um, uh, you know, I think you could say de certain departments of the government should be totally ashamed, and these kids will 
find it very difficult to get over this. I suppose you could change those two words about, but not against the sentiment on that. Right, that'll do for that one. Moving on to ITV now. 5G mast hell for Boston Gardens residents living in the shadow of West London phone tower. It's by ITV. Outraged residents are calling for a monster mobile phone mast to be moved because it towers over their properties and could make homes unsellable, they claim. People living at Boston Gardens in West London claim they weren't told the mast was being built and were and were appalled. No attempt was made to conceal the giant steel structure. Um, yeah, when counts, when you someone wants to put even the slightest shed on the back of their house that no one's going to see you've got to put all those planning permission things in and all that kind of stuff haven't you if it's over a certain amount of height but something that's proven to have well being near electrical signals and all that kind of stuff i think the jury's still out on how negative the effects of it are but i don't think there's much of a jury to say standing in electromagnetic radiation all the time for 5g is a wonderful idea uh, bathing in radiation is a, is a wonderful idea. i don't think there's anyone that's saying that but i think the jury's still out on just how bad it is <clears throat> but yeah and of course that would there are other fo other studies that say you know the increased cancer risk and everything again i'm just going from memory here so go and look at them for yourself but that kind of stuff would have an impact on your house price. So, you know, it wouldn't be so much as, oh, it's blocking my sunlight at five o'clock in the garden. It's more of a question of uh, how much negative impact is it having on you and your have family's health, and therefore how much would it impact on someone else's, i.e. what are they going to potentially buy it for and knock some money off the asking price because of a potential health risk but i'll just say that again um claimed they weren't told the mask was being built yeah so good to see the planning permission is one rule for them and one rule for another or did all the all the planning permission stuff get lost well will we put a letter through everyone's letterbox Oh, no one got it. Oh, our delivery boy must have been sick that day. Oh, what was wrong with him? Oh, he lives next door to one of our other towers. No idea what's wrong with him, though. Anyway, moving on. Eco-Zealot councillors U-turn on Belgian-style traffic scheme to split historic city of Canterbury up into five driving zones and fine motorists for crossing the boundaries. Uh, council chiefs had tried to implement draconian driving measures in Kent. It was the latest threat to eradicate motorists from Britain's towns and cities. Again, the old Daily Mail emotive language there, isn't it? To eradicate motorists, like some sort of Dalek. Uh, but anyway, I do... That's the thing, isn't it? It's only these kinds of news outlets that are covering this kind of stuff because... The left one thinks it's a good idea, so doesn't really want to drum up what was the word for it? Resistance. <laughs> and it's but the right wings are just like they're eradicating motorists. Can we not just have some nice, sensible, non-right or left, just 
good old-fashioned emotionless reporting of facts. Ecozelic councillors, have you turned on draconian plans to split up a historic city up into five driving zones? Anyway, you get the idea. Right, let's just scroll down. So there, I don't know whether that was like um, an LTN or what, but yeah, it looks like it has been resisted. But again, they could just come in a few years and go, oh, all that thing you resisted, well, we're going to do it through. Going, yeah, it's a good idea now. What's changed? Oh, nothing. It is a good idea now, though. Um, up nine. So let's have a look at best rated or worst rated. Up seven, seven, six, down seven. So that's pretty polarised. What an idiot idea in the first instant. Having to drive the whole way around the city to reach the adjacent sector would achieve what? It proves most councils are run by anti-car, self-censored idiots. Sack the bloody lot. Also get rid of sad sod Khan while you're at it. That was the comment, in case anyone thinks that that was my opinion. Um, it proves that most councils are run by anti-car. Yes, self-centred idiots. No, I think they're following an agenda. And it's up to viewers to go and see who might be pushing that agenda to who or by whom. Uh, let's have another look down. If Rishi Sunak allows Sadiq Khan Usele's expansion to go ahead and swindle a maximum of 4566 quid a year from people who need to use their vehicle every day, is pure thieving from the least able to afford it. Ulis will spread over the whole UK if Khan is not removed. Up 554, down 3. Um, I think it will spread... They'll try and spread it to most of the UK, but parts of the UK will be far more accustomed to forming resistances to government than people in London. I think there's a different mindset from people in and out of London. Uh, up 453, down 5, it is simply we must resist the green agenda. Next article, uh, this is from The Guardian, mm, if I can get it. Yule is key to tackling unacceptably high child illness and death, doctors say. Leading scientists and medics back London and other clean air schemes and urge politicians to keep their nerve. Leading doctors and scientists have warned politicians against watering down plans to expand citywide schemes aimed at... So basically, right then... Canterbury when you know all that kind of stuff there's a resistance mounting to it you can see it in Canterbury when it's not just good enough to save the earth right tell them it will save children's lives but we're not ordering the investigation into the vaccine where all these peer review studies came out that say it's really really bad in fact we've overruled the JCVI back last year and said it should be given to, or was it the year before now I've been doing this so long and given the, the the children should be given the vaccines. How can we have that stance? Just do it. But how they won't believe us that we're doing it for the kids if we don't hold that investigation and at least say that one in 35 myocarditis is worse than a virus with a less than 0.1% death rate for children. Doesn't matter. Tell them Euliz will save their children. If they're not doing it for the earth, they'll do it for the kids. We've already called the resistance racist. That didn't work. Reel out the kids. Reel out the, oh, you're going to be killing the kids. It worked for COVID. With it. You're going to be killing granny. Right. Next tactic. Do that if that works. Just rinse and repeat. And then after you can repeat again, 
then you can really rinse them. We won't stop at £12.50. <laughs> but we'll keep that under wraps now. So, yeah, you get my view on that one there. Exclusive. New evidence of Beijing's COVID cover-up and possible Wuhan lab leak revealed. China's public health authorities cracked viruses genetic code five days before the world knew about the disease, scientist claims. Uh, as by Ian Birrell on the 30th of July, China's public health authorities cracked the genetic code of the COVID virus five days before the rest of the world even learned about the existence of the disease, according to a prominent British scientist. Their revelation, confirmed by independent investigators, exposes the scale of Beijing's cover-up of the outbreak in Wuhan, which experts fear inflamed the pandemic spread with disastrous consequences. Not that I doubt what it says, but whenever it says independent investigators, I'd like to... Who are they? How independent are they? Uh, let's go and have a look at who funds them. Uh, and if they get it from some institution, then who funds that institution that passed the money on to the independent investigators? That's my first thought whenever I see that, like independent investigators. The genome sequence vital for developing diagnostic tests and vaccines was finally shared with the rest of the world more than two weeks later by a Chinese scientist defying the Beijing government, by which time the sequence had been assembled by several of the country's private and public laboratories. All right, let's scroll down to see what the Daily Mail readers make of this. All right, almost there now. There we are. Be no, best rated. Here we go. Up 4558, down 47. So that's quite a high number and pretty polarised. What action will the UN take? I think you know the answer. <laughs> That's a good comment. Yeah. I like that comment. Up one, two, two, three, down nine. This is number two, by the way. So that comment was, what, you know, 3,000 odd more likes. So that really hit, uh, resonated with a number of people. I'm not the only one that enjoyed that one, by the looks of it. And it says, the report should be given to that waste of space and money organization, the WHO, as they claimed they couldn't find anything. That organisation will never be taken seriously ever again because their actions and motives towards the pandemic. Yep, which is why they're going to try and push through that treaty. You're not taking us seriously? Right, you'll have to face legal consequences if you don't. That's what I think that whole treaty thing is all about, in one form or another. And just to end where we began, and I don't think I played all the clips I said at the show, but what's new to my regular listeners... Just to bring the show full circle by Chance Martins, Fox News, June the 24th of this year. Pro basketball player who previously blamed COVID vaccine for rare heart condition dies of heart attack. Perhaps if Dr. Peter, uh, Dr. What was the study we had earlier, uh, Dr. John Campbell had got on, on the phone to him and said, have you seen this particular study? But we will never know. Condolences to him and his family. Professional Dominican basketball player Oscar Cabrera Adamez died this week after an apparent heart attack while he was possibly undergoing a stress test. According to a social media post from Dominican sports commentator Hector Gomez, the 28-year-old stress test was being performed at a health centre in Santo Domingo. So, condolences to him and his family and to all those who suffered injury or um, death of a loved one due to uh, that vaccine 
and also worth bearing in mind that the high number of people that took the vaccine were fine. Is the possible explanation for that discrepancy, as Dr. Peter McCullough described at the start of the show, stay tuned to be on the news over the coming weeks and months. Hopefully I'll get some more answers for you. Or at the very least, we'll be asking some more questions. Cheers.